Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth and that's Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's the legendary Yannick Paquette, isn't it? It is, and we'll see how I chat with him about his art and comics and a bunch of fun stuff. And this guy, he did the art for Wonder Woman Earth One. If you haven't read that book, those books are amazing. Like I, I, I love the Earth One series from DC. Um, they're fantastic. All of yeah. them. Is Earth One supposed to be our Earth? Earth One is like it started with um there's Batman Earth One and, and Superman Earth One. They're like a more realistic take on the on the DC superheroes. So it's not necessarily our Earth, but it's more of a that kind of a take. And it's if you haven't read them, they're cool. Oh, interesting. When did they come out? Um so Superman Earth One, I think, was the first one. It came out uh early two thousands. Oh, okay. And then and then Batman came out in like twenty twelve. Holy shit. So Superman Earth One came out in uh, 2010. And it's oh, written by J. Michael Straczynski, who we've had on the show. Yeah, Straczynski. But did we talk about Earth One? Well, I think we did a little bit. Um, but I'm actually listening to his autobiography right now, uh, Becoming Superman. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's it's really, I highly recommend it. But um, That guy went through some hell. Dude, he went through some mega hell. Yeah. But we're not here talking about that. We're here talking about Yannick and his amazing art and all the awesome stuff he has done in his career. Because he's been yeah. nominated for several Schusters and Eisners and he's won a couple and the dude's fantastic. Well, let's just sit back and relax and listen to Melissa and Yannick talking their own words. This is Spoiler Country and I'm Melissa Sercha. Tonight on the show, I'm excited to welcome Schuster Award-winning comic book artist, the legendary Yannick Paquette. Thank you for being here. Hi, <laughs> I'm glad I, I reached a legend. Legendary. My career, I didn't expect that. Uh, yeah. Did I pronounce your name okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, a lot of people are just scared to actually try the pronunciation because, you know, I'm, I'm French-Canadian. So right. it might sound all exotic, but it's not right. <laughs> Yannick Paquette is, is good. And plus, I mean, I'm also accepting every variation and permutation around the idea of, of pronunciation. So I'm all good with that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I have a friend who's French and he pronounces it Yannick, like very, you know, specific. So I wasn't sure if it was like that pronounced or if it's just Yannick. <laughs> they're, they're all good to me. Uh, my my French Canadian friend will call me Yannick. Okay. So. There we go. Awesome. Are you in Canada right now? Or are you stateside? Yeah, no, I'm in Canada. I live in Montreal with my family. My kids speak French. Well, they now they became bilingual because in Canada we learn English in school, but for the most part, when they were children, they will 
they would only speak French. So living in, in Montreal make a lot more sense and trying to and plus I mean as a comic book yeah. artist you can live whatever you want, which is the beauty of working in comic in this day of internet. You could live on top of the Himalayas if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can work remotely from anywhere now, you know, thanks exactly. to the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well so you were born in Canada? Have you lived there your whole life? Yeah, yeah, I'm um, I'm French Canadian, and uh, I've learned English in my twenties. In uh, when I started working in comic, actually, I would I would you know you can get a job by showing drawings, but then when you get the script, then you don't understand a single word in it, and you have <laughs> to go to a dictionary with every single one trying to figure out what what you need to draw now. So yeah, I've learned English um, in, in my twenties, but I've mm-hmm. I've 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 lived here all my life. Okay, so. How did you how did you get started in comics? Like, what was your first sort of like foray into it? Well, here I guess we're we're most exposed to the European way of of doing comic, which is the graphic novel, the 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 Franco Belgian album, and so mm-hmm. stuff like Asterix and Tintin, and so these were my my things as a child, and I really enjoyed it. I I, I you know I enjoyed drawing, but it never occurred to me that making a living out of drawing stuff was even an option at all. Mm. And uh, I guess at first, my my first career path was biology. I went to entomology, to be more specific, the oh, study cool. of insect, which, which was my passion, my childhood passion. That that was it. And as I, I started my study that, I it occurred to me that the, the, the illusion of the career of entomology, which in my mm-hmm. mind, would be going to crazy places uh, and jung- jungle and living a life in a Indiana Jones-type fashion you know, where you could right. find awesome beetles on trunks <laughs> of uh, Amazon jungles. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not the life of entomologists. And uh, I've never gave up drawing uh, through my studies. I, I was doing this journal student illustration and, and covers and stuff like that. And, and I've always kept somehow an interest in comics and eventually i just made the switch because it it, and plus i mean the timing i made the switch in the mid 90s where the comic industry was just turbo charge and people Mm -hmm. were becoming millionaires and there was a lot of energy around it and by the time i've i was good enough to get my first huge job the industry was already crashing I didn't reach this, the peak in the second half of the 90s. So I never really enjoy those those sales numbers. But, you know, I, I got I got to work in, in smaller press. And I would say that at first it was kind of easy as a Canadian to work for companies because, because the industry was crashing somehow. All these companies would, would hire kids from overseas. I'm not overseas, obviously Canada is not, but you know, it, it's, it seems far enough that if you right. do go uh, and you can't pay them anymore and you're, you're, you're out of business, you know, I won't, I won't come and, and bang on the door for, to get my money. I was mm-hmm. too far. So I would say that the first five companies I worked with went bankrupt on me. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, yeah. That was a nice uh, awkward moment for comics. Wow. But you didn't give up. Obviously, I, I didn't give up, and eventually, uh, I ended up working for DC, and That's... and uh, yeah, they're still around. So yeah. Now. <laughs> Oh, that little company, DC. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's well. Obviously, it paid off because in you know 2017, you won a Best Artist Schuster Award for Wonder Woman Earth One. So, what was that like? I mean, did that 
what did that mean to you when you found out you won the award? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a strange thing. I, in a way, when you draw a comic, you're well. Now there's I, I was doing a little bit more convention at the time, but it's it's I have this ability to doubt myself very much when mm-hmm. I draw, and it's it's not a rare thing. I mean, a lot of very capable and and famous artists are crippled by the sensation that you're inadequate and eventually mm-hmm. people will just realize that you're you're a fraud or something and that helped me for like oh a few weeks maybe so, oh no wait i maybe i don't totally suck i got i got you know i win that thing but it passed <laughs> it yeah passes and uh, every time i need to draw especially when i start a new project i, I i'm crippled by this 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 notion that I have no idea how to draw, and uh, I've always managed to do it. And what I realize is that there is there is something almost magical in, in drawing. It's not like mm-hmm. if if I would say I'm a plumber, and uh, you have problem with with that require a plumber. I've done it many times. I know how to to take mm-hmm. out the, the 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 chunk of pipe that is not working, and you, you can visualize what you need to do to fix the problem, you know, that's something concrete. But as an artist, it's very hard to f- just visualize what I'm going to do before I'm doing it. So right. I need to just believe that it's going to be okay, that almost magically stuff will make sense on the page. And so every time I doubt, so there we go. Yeah, so <laughs> it's kind of like having like an out-of-body experience then, like when you're in the moment, you know, when you're working on something and it's just kind of flowing out of you, do you, do you sort of feel like you're kind of looking down at yourself from like, you know, a bird's eye view? Almost, you know, you get, you get into the zone where things are just happening normally and just flowing out. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't see me from, I don't have an out-of-body experience where I see me drums. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this, this, this is magical because I'm too much in it. But the problem is, when I'm not drawing for a while, say a week or two weeks, and then I try to visualize myself drawing and it makes sense, that's when it's 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 hard to 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 just visualize and, and believe I can do it still because I'm not doing it. But by the moment I'm doing a page and it's okay, and then a second page and I oh know I'm I'm you know I'm still capable. I've been doing that for twenty years and it's still working, and then I feel yeah. all right. I can do the entire project without too much stress. Uh, but yeah. Do you do you have any like rituals or like you know processes like let's say you know like with writers we get writer's block for artists if you ever get like blocked do you have anything that you do to sort of like boost your creativity or get into a zone? Coffee, I don't know. Nothing, nothing concrete. Nothing too ritualistic. I know people are doing warm up drawing and cool down drawing, and I, I you know. I have no idea how they manage to do that, plus the work they're supposed to do. And for me, if there is any way I can't, if I could find a way not to draw, like I'm doing my page, it's done. I'm not going to draw again, you know, for a mm-hmm. cool down. I'm just going to do something else. So, no, I don't know. You just do yeah, it. Coffee, yeah. I guess, is my is my thing. Coffee, and then you you, you draw. Because I'm, because I'm working digitally, there's always the, the idea in there that if you can draw, start start to draw stuff and if it's it's terrible you can always control z uh, z head or or work (laughs) another layer and then delete the entire thing you know i'm trying to fix this face and it's terrible (laughs) just just delete the layer Uh, but i never end up deleting layer but because there is this you know 
possibility, some sort of a, a safe way right. to get me out of trouble. It it allowed me to jump to jump right into it without being too scared of it. I guess if I would work on paper, that would maybe require to just warm me up somehow because there's something more permanent with the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, that that would, in a sense, probably just make me lose time because. Yeah. From a scientific point of view, if I start straight on, it's still good. So yeah. just in my <laughs> Well, you're a pro, so. <laughs> I'm a pro. Yeah. It's good to remember that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, I, wanna, I definitely want to talk about Wonder Woman because yeah. you have, a, you know, volume three of Earth One coming out in March, I believe, yeah. right? March of 2021. <clears throat> so Wonder Woman has had uh, many incarnations, you know, and through comics, TV, film, how did you approach this iconic character when you were first presented with the project? Well, the um, I think the idea Grant uh, Grant Morrison when he does a project, he tried to to go back to some sort of not just the origin, but try to distill the essence of what made the character work in the first place. The thing is, when you go back to Wonder Woman in the original days, in the early well, the forties until the fifties, mm-hmm. it's quite different from what we're used to seeing Wonder Woman comics nowadays. I mean, it's honestly, yeah. I've read them all because for work, but also eventually I just became fascinated by, by all, all alien and strange all this is. It's not superhero. It's closer to a, some sort of Alice in Wonderland type mm-hmm. weird stories. It's, it's, it's filled with bondage. Every single two yeah. pages, there is, there is um, some sort of fetish play but it's not in a sexual way. It's more in a, in a, in a power play somehow. And it's, it's, it's truly a, a strange object. And I think oh, Grant is not afraid of anything strange. So the <laughs> idea for him was to go back there and try to see if there is anything in there that still makes sense today. It is in the Wonder Woman that we ended up doing, there is part of the modern incarnation of Wonder Woman, but also we revisit some of those crazy ideas that have mm-hmm. been mostly forgotten or maybe discarded because too too weird and and hard to reconcile with with modern feminism which has been the hallmark of Wonder Woman but what mm-hmm. we try to prove in it is that this feminism was there already even though it was all these power play and we, we, we might want to say, oh, this is like kinky stuff all over the place. How can this be like an affirmation of feminism? And I'm, I'm not talking about our work. I'm talking about the original creator of right. Wonder Woman in the 40s. Yeah. Right? You're looking at, at that stuff, but it's there. It's there about the idea of be willing to, to submit to a loving authority. And this idea of being to allow yourself submission for good, I mean, it's it's almost it's hard to not see parallel with current event today, where seemingly some people I'm not going to name names, but are <laughs> resisting to submit. Yeah, uh, no to, names, <laughs> no names. But I mean, a lot of a lot of the trouble comes from this this ego trip, which is very masculine in a way. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's a there's been a lot of stuff written about those one woman, but the public they don't know that much of that era. And somehow we're trying to find a way to reincorporate that in a narrative, which is a little bit different. I mean, the Earth One series is not a canon version of Wonder Woman. So it allows us to just re-explore, reinvent, finding a new, new 
new angle that have been long forgotten and trying to polish them to make them modern and make them relevant today. And I think, you know, it's that has been an epic three, three volume. It took me, uh, I was, mm-hmm. I was looking at my email and the first mention of Wonder Woman Earth one was 2010 oh, wow. in my emails. And we didn't start it right away. I did some, some Batman stuff with, with Grant. And then I did some Swamp Thing with Scott. And eventually we ended up doing the Wonder Woman. But it's been a long, long-term, a very long-term project. And only with the last few pages of that last volume, I finally totally understand kind of <laughs> what Grant was going for. Because Grant is never obvious. <laughs> and that is part of his style also. It's a complex tapestry of, of element. And then everything came into, into sense in the last few pages of that third volume, where thankfully it somehow justified all those years I spent drawing that thing. You know, <laughs> oh, this is, this is the, the purpose. <laughs> this, it clicked. Yeah. 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 And how, how does that process work with you and Grant Morrison? Like, do you, does he write and then send you pages and you draw based on? what he's written or do you come up with things first and send him things and you know how does that process work yeah he, he will he will write 10 15 pages and then send them to me and then okay. i'll draw those sometimes there's no dialogue the, la- the last volume was a little bit more, more polished with with dialogue and structure but sometime in the first volume there was a lot of room for me to figure out where i want to go and i think he, he gave me that liberty in that first volume to see where my instinct would push me graphically. Mm-hmm. Even though with Grant, we, we never we never talk on the phone. We uh, we're barely exchange email. But but the collaboration is happening with the work itself. So it will give me thing to figure out on myself graphically, and then it will wait for me to deliver those pages and build on that for the next leg for the another stretch of ten page, which makes it very collaborative because mm-hmm. the, the, what they will see in my work will influence the direction where it will go next. But the downside of it is because everything is up for grab, everything is a work in progress, we can change direction every time. For me, it's kind of insecuring. Is that a word? Is that, is that I, 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 don't, I feel... I, I think feel it should insecure. be. I, I don't know yeah. why I think that should be a let's, word. Let's now. make that a word now. Yes, for now, it, it is. <laughs> Insecuring, um, yes. <laughs> I'm glad I, I did contribute to the English language. <laughs> because you don't see too much in the future. It's hard to tell, oh, is it, are we going to, in a wall or where are we going? But because it's Grant, I've learned with my many project with him that you just need to trust him to bring you home. And he will. And he did. So That's yeah. awesome. And so... Did you did you have to do a lot of research at all for for this series as far as you know mythology or setting costume history even you know because of all of her fabulous outfits that you have her in did you do any research like that um, yes and no part of it was in, in our concept the one woman the island the the mystery of the island is being appeared three thousand years ago and then mm-hmm. the woman get there and create their own society which is parallel to, to the world, so they don't get any influence. But unlike most of the representation of, of Themyscira in the past, where they get there in, the, in Greek time, and then mm-hmm. culturally they kind of are fixed in that moment. So they still wear toga, they still create mm-hmm. like Greek architecture and stuff. 
for us, it made sense that they kept evolving. You know, they, they this this was the starting point. But then their technology, their philosophy, there've been work, fiction, they've, they've been mm-hmm. the famous writers, uh, women on this island. And and then it creates an entire culture. And when we get on into those stories, what I need to represent is the consequence of 3,000 years of, of, of artistic evolution, but taking uh, in consideration that the origin would, would be great, Greek, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, but the stuff that would mix and enrich the Greek language would be the nature, the island, the fish, the birds, and the woman figure. And and so I tried to create some sort of a, a graphical language and texture that you can almost feel, oh, this this is the logical evolution in that context. So it does that, that yeah. of course doesn't require research i can't go over the internet and say okay utopian cities and, and <laughs> it, it might it might be inspiring at some point but i i need to came up because it was so specific with element of design that that make total sense for instance the famous stars shorts of wonder woman because the stars the five the fifth the five pointed stars like on the american flag is something graphically ra- rather recent when you look into art history, it's hard to find stars. Uh, you, you look in, in the Middle Age stuff mm-hmm. there. When you see stars, it's, it's, it's usually the uh, the star of Bethlehem, and it's a, it's a lot more something with like millions of rays going out in every direction. <laughs> so the very graphic yep. stars is not there. But the earliest adapt- graphic version that I saw of it was closer to the stars of David with six-pointed okay. triangle. And that influenced my way of doing it for one woman, in, in part because what we wanted to to dress her in was not the American flag, like specifically. Like yeah. it, it, I mean, it made sense in in the forties, as most of the comics of the forties were almost propaganda for for war. <laughs> there was something more patriotic around it, Absolutely. and <laughs> and so and so. It, I mean, it makes sense at the time, but. I mean, the Greek culture is so rich. It's, to mm-hmm. me, it made no sense that one woman would dress up as in, in a flag of another nation for no no obvious reason. So right. the idea was to make it almost accidental. Like, oh, it feels patriotic. But if you look closely, it's not. I mean, it's something different. So this ambiguity allowed me to be coherent in the design, but yeah. still, you know, it's, it's an iconic costumes. And plus, I mean, in Wonder Woman Earth One, there is many variation of on, on those costumes, in part because Grant was very fixed on this idea that Wonder Woman costume has evolved to to the years and and in the comics and the, the TV shows and everything, she's always wear something cool and different, and so yeah, it, it was unlike Superman. Say it was carte blanche to try and dress her up, and you know. And, yeah. Well, and I also I heard I heard you comment on, and I think this might have been a year or two ago. Uh, there was, you know, a storyline with Superman and Wonder Woman falling in love and getting together, and I heard your your comment about how you liked the idea of a superhero having like a human lover instead of an equal, you know, two superheroes getting together. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that was an interesting 
you know, take on it. And I'd love for you to like expand on that a little bit, just because I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Well, that was around the time, I think the new 52, they, they figure out, well, they, there was a book called Superman, Wonder Woman, where there was a a romance going. And from a, your company, you have those franchises. It feels like something logical to at least try. I mean, it makes mm-hmm. total sense that Wonder Woman and Superman would. There are the b- both alpha woman and alpha male, if you want, of the universe. So right. they, would, they would get together. But the way I was understanding it, I mean, of all time, those those male superheroes had no problem having human girlfriend. I mean, they all had normal girlfriend to protect and, and uh, maybe not Lois she's a little beyond normal but still right. she's not a superhero but you know Thor all they all have girlfriends and they're, they're all normal mm-hmm. and I, I thought that well if you if you need to find a partner for for Wonder Woman why she why she had to be with Superman I mean it's the right. same logic the same logic should apply and she had she could go with somebody to protect which are let's say in physically inferior in terms of the, the capacity of doing like superhero stuff. So that was more, I mean, that was a reflection around that decision of DC to try to pair those two as an item. Yeah. And I thought it, it removed an interesting part of Wonder Woman that you would choose like a normal guy, but I, I it didn't last. Yeah. Anyway, I think, I think they're yeah. not together. And plus, I mean, in, in our version of Wonder Woman, she's, she's, she's homosexual. I mean, it's, it's, oh, yeah. I, I can't remember if in the script it's, it's super obvious, but the way I approached it, the idea being that these women, they've been living on this island for thousands and thousands of years and they have all sorts of relations and they're, they're all immortal. So they've been, they've been exploring <laughs> sexuality in every aspect or so, so that they are at least bisexual for at at minimum. Yeah, <laughs> that would that would only make sense, you yeah. know, considering the the circumstances and and the immortality and yeah, just the whole environment that they're in. That would absolutely make sense. So that's great that you're you know you're portraying it from sort of a more realistic approach and you know in a sense of of what it would actually be like if if this world actually existed. Yeah. So what can what can fans expect from the conclusion? You know, volume three, this is gonna be the last volume. Um, yeah. unless unless you change your mind. <laughs> but, no, no, no. <laughs> it's I mean it's a it's a perfect, it's a nice, satisfying conclusion. I would I would refuse to do more. I mean, it's it should end like this. Honestly, the the first the first volume is more an introduction. The second is a is a darker one where she tried to 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 accomplish the mission of changing the world of men and making that world more more equal and and fair. And she's uh, she totally failed at it. She she's fall into a trap where somebody, Doctor Psycho, mm-hmm. which uh, it's an old villain from the Wonder Woman stories from from. Back in the days, he's coming in there and he's pretending to be his friend, but he's not. I mean, he's he's playing with his. He's a he's a pickup artist, so he's he's playing with the expectation. And Wonder Woman, I mean, she can she can fight robots. She can yeah. she can do, but she assumes the best in everybody all the time. So she's the she's not prepared for this guy. And the third volume, by far, is the one that took me not the more time, but. The more effort to 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 draw, it's it's 
Okay. Is the more is the action oriented, extreme return of the king type extravaganza that is not there at all in the second volume and not even there in the in the first one. I mean, it's the big epic, grandiose final, and the conclusion of it is 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 far reaching and 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 almost shocking me. The the, the last few pages, those pages that revealed to me what I was doing got me profoundly moved and yeah graphically it's something totally different for some people they complain about oh there's a lack of action maybe there's it seems like mm. especially in the second volume it's more of psychological ward and the physical mm-hmm. uh, action oriented that the way you could expect superhero comics to look like they'll be happy with that third one. Oh god Awesome. No, that's exciting. I can't wait. And you dedicated volume one to your mother and you praised her for raising you in a feminist household. How did that, how did that upbringing influence you as an artist and as a, as a man, you know, and and to be able to, to write Wonder Woman from that perspective or sorry, to draw Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. From I think maybe it's easier to uh, I th- I think Quebec the Quebec world in which I live so the province of Quebec inside Canada is is a very feminist society in the first place okay. so there've been exception but I mean I think we're pretty progressive in, in that domain and I don't know it's it, there is something naturally forged in it the way I see it initially when we're talking about Wonder Woman I, I did I, at the time I didn't know what 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 Grant wanted exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to do with the book, I thought we were we were trying to explore the sexuality of Wonder Woman because for f- for for a long time there, even though the origin was all this ambiguous kind of kinky looking mm-hmm. thing, Wonder Woman had became to the year a character which is mostly asexual. And I my understanding of it was in part because. Sexuality is something hard to deal in fiction, which is not that much of a problem for for where I'm coming from. And I thought that, especially in comic, there is something very unfair the way uh, superwoman and superwoman are depicted in their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And one of the example that I'm I'm bring uh, upon that is is Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So Iron Man is is loved by all, and he had he had moment in his in his Iron Man life where he would have a like a a, a different model every night in his bed, and mm-hmm. and because he was he was looking for something, searching for love or uh, feeling a gap that he couldn't feel, you know, something. Some people goes through those weird phase. Yeah. If it's a man, I mean, it's we we're not f- judging that moment, and I mean, right. Um, very conservative people will have no problem buying Iron Man t-shirt for their little boys <laughs> and, and, you know, lunch boxes and stuff. And, but if you would just reverse, uh, this and have one woman having a different male model, because she's, she's in a phase where she's looking for something and, you know, she, mm-hmm. she had no right to do that. <laughs> well, my, <laughs> my, the thing is she would be severely judged the way yeah. a man won't be judged in, the, in that context. And I, fi- I was finding that very interesting in a way that is it possible to, gave, to give the power and the, and the sexual choice to the character? I mean, there is other characters yeah. that, that use sexuality. Say Catwoman is a sexualized character, but she'll, she'll use this as a, as a weapon. I don't yeah, know for that too. And, but if you want to do a good girl, 
but mm-hmm. with a sexual then she she has no right to sexuality she need to be the virgin mary type model because right. it's almost like if you're not doing that if you're allowing sexual sexual appetite in mm-hmm. in any female character then suddenly <laughs> moral is out the door and she's like the worst whore ever and yeah. there is no there is no room in between i thought oh maybe especially with the wonder woman the origin of it and it was kind of i mean it was codified because we were, we were in the 40s but mm-hmm. i you read the, those comics and there is obvious homosexual undertone on on all sorts of thing in there yeah. And and you thought, oh, maybe we can we can give her that back, the choice, her power, her own choice about her own sexuality. We ended up yeah. exploring a I think broader aspect of the story at the end. And uh, well, well, you'll need to, to read that that third volume to to fully to find out, yeah, <laughs> to see the scope at which Grant well, went. And my and my vision was like, actually very restrictive in, in comparison. Really? Uh, well, do you think, you know, that some of that, what you're saying about the sexuality of, of Wonder Woman versus, you know, a male superhero, do you think that is cultural, though? Like, it, it more prevalent in American culture? Oh, because, it totally is. It you know, because totally like in is. French culture, I mean, I, I from what I've heard and people I know, they're more, you know, French, are, they're more open and they don't judge women this, you know what I mean, for that kind of a thing. Is that true? Oh, you find? Absolutely. absolutely. And friends from Europe or or here in Quebec, I, I think we have a, a much more equal view on on this, especially that uh, yeah. sexu- sexuality, but work, but work also. I mean, we're we're not a perfect society. There's still disparity in terms of pay, for instance. Mm-hmm. There is still a gap there that need to be addressed and equal pay. But there's there is a lot of progress in terms of gender role in the family, for instance. It's something we negotiate, and it's not mm-hmm. between us as a couple, and it's not. There, there's no, there's no actual rule, and I think part of, to go back to what you um, were mentioning about my dedication to my mother, mm-hmm. it is, it is one of those things where, by by growing into a, a feminist, also you 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 end up not being bound to a definition of what a man should be. You could be whatever you want, uh, and negotiate with with the woman if on your life or or your 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 male partner if you get whatever renegotiate a contract of what not not i mean it, it sounds very businessy <laughs> that's not my intention but figure out what what your boundaries want to be what, yeah. what the other can can bring into the mix and and define a workable solution unlike maybe more conservative society where you came out in there with with a preconception of what a man has to to do and and be mm-hmm. and be like and and so the feminism that I've lived through was this I filled it as a liberty I could I could be a macho man you know that that would that could right. have been my my path if I if I felt like this which I didn't incidentally <laughs> but I could and that would have been a problem or I would be or I could be uh, something different or whatever yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you feel as an artist, you know, with with a platform, essentially, you know, aside from entertaining and bringing joy through art, do you feel that you also have a responsibility to convey a message, whether it be political or social or feminist or whatever? Do you feel that kind of pressure or responsibility? It's it's not really a pressure. As I was, as I've been doing that for 20 years, as I was growing up, I mean, it takes a lot of energy to draw comics. 
Mm-hmm. And after a while, you're, you're trying to figure out why am I doing that? You know, what's yeah. what's the what's the point? Am I doing that just is because it's entertaining? And and maybe for a lot of people, that's that's enough. You know, that's good enough. For me, I've tried to satisfy myself from a from a for graphic point of view, trying to find something that will please me first. But then the idea of working towards some sort of oh, maybe I have something to say. You know, more than, oh, mm-hmm. this guy is stronger than this other guy and has a cool power. <laughs> this is what I got to say. Maybe I can actually contribute to something else. And there's an there's a huge debate. Well, it's it's not a debate that much, but for a while mm-hmm. there in, in the comic community, there was this idea of what comics should be. Are they there to entertain? Or mm-hmm. Should we just escape reality and have fun and uh, enjoy those naive story that that talk about in far-fetched adventure mm-hmm. or are they vehicle to to explore idea and to debate area that idea that are that can be linked to reality and to the world we live in right and to me it it, it was always obvious that throughout comic and stories it always was that it always yeah superman was about immigration and and uh, the X Men was about racism. Mm-hmm. You know, there was it, the, the the link of these comics and what they tell about society. And because they've they've been there from the forties, and each generation come in there and try to reinvent the X Men or, or or Batman, they bring something of the society they live in, and that's what they talk about using those those characters. And so to yeah. me, it was obvious that these, the, it's not, I don't feel the pressure, but I feel it as more of a, as an engine. This is, this is something we're doing because we bring ideas to the table that can be rejected. I have no problem people not being mm-hmm. on board with what we're doing on Wonder Woman, but at least we've tried something. I love, I love the, the 40s Wonder Woman. I love the Perez Wonder Woman, which is different. I love the Greg Rocca, the Azarello version. They're all very different. They're all exploring a different facet of this jewel that is mm-hmm. the, the the crystal of, of Wonder Woman as, <laughs> as a character. And there is no point of going back to the same already well-explored and polished facet of, of, of that diamond. We need to find a new or an old one that has gathered too much dust and maybe we can <laughs> make it modern again to the perspective of uh, what we're living through and our wonder woman earth one because it took so long to draw so long <laughs> Did, how long how long I, did you spend <laughs> uh, we we started i i think i started actually working on it in 2015 or maybe late 14 even for the first for the first volume but when we were working on that first volume near the end that was 2015, early 16, maybe we, we, me and Grant, I mean, it was obvious that we were about to turn an important page in the history of feminism with Hillary becoming president with in, in a context where she would not only face a, a normal opponent, she would face like a symbol almost, you mm-hmm. know, this almost like the end of a video game kind of, and then we'll, we'll yes. enter a new era. Yeah. And, um, well, it it didn't happen like that. And I I think it's obvious that did influence the second volume of Mortal Woman Earth One, where, oh, maybe this is not the way, maybe there's maybe the dragon can't be slayed that easily. 
and yeah. something more complex has to another route around man's art has to be found. And that obviously influenced the way the second volume came about. Mm-hmm. And as I'm finishing up, I, I, well, the third volume is done. It's it's been drawn entirely uh, in September, so that that was done. Kind of almost miraculously fit with the world now. I mean, it's it kind of really? is. I was gonna... we're, we're not planning any of that. I mean, it's just yeah. sometimes yeah. things just stars align and it's just happening. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's, I, I said this on another interview, but art imitates life, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I sometimes think it does it without you even intending to do so. You know, it just is sort of, I don't know if it's like a collective unconscious, you know, that we like uh, subconscious that we like tap into um, yeah, and we maybe. realize it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I also want to blame uh, Grant for that because uh, I know Grant is a very sensible guy that must have some sort of very acute perception of where society is, which mm-hmm. brink are we standing on? You know, he has, he has this this intuitive understanding of things that is beyond my 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 recognition. I can't see it, but mm-hmm. obviously there is there is a way in which he well, is a bit magic in that sense, I guess. So to to give some credence yeah. to his uh, <laughs> magical prowess yeah. that book actually <laughs> syncs very well with today yeah he has a sixth sense then apparently yeah maybe <laughs> obviously yeah i know i often wonder you know what what william marston would think of you know the evolution of of wonder woman now i mean can you imagine if you could go back in time and <laughs> and get his opinion yeah I, i'm i'm very curious because in a way wonder woman was created as a response to the much more masculine Superman and, and Batman comics of the day, mm-hmm. which already were very successful. And she was offering something totally different, which was more of a fantasy thing. There is a bit of action, but it's it's yeah. more playing. It's more playful in a way. So, so she was a contrast. And through the years, she became more and more, I don't want to say aggressive, Mm-hmm. But, you know, the sword and the shield and, and then she can stand with with the, the children, Batman and Superman, and mm-hmm. they can they can all look like badass. Ready. Yeah. yeah. And in a sense, from a universe building corporate point of view, it makes sense that they're all interconnectable and, and compatible and they all live into the same kind of world. But the one woman of the origin was not that creature we we have today which mm-hmm. i mean i love I, I love the one woman film i love where one woman is now mm-hmm. um I, i'm not complaining that this is not wonder woman no this is <laughs> this is a perfectly valid and interesting wonder woman and she she's fierce and everything and it's admirable yeah but that wasn't the original idea of one woman and, and probably what we ended up doing is not at all the original idea either but right. it's, it's another variation on, on that original seed, seed that Molston created in the back, back in the day. Yeah, and it's it's part of his legacy too now. So, you know, I, I think I would like to think he'd be proud that you know that that her character is still living on and still you know getting created really yeah. because and, you know and honestly I, I love to I like to believe that uh, because Wonder Woman has been used as a mouthpiece for a lot of very progressive feminist mm-hmm. movement through the years, I think he would have enjoyed that a lot. To understand oh, yeah. that, oh, his creation is actually became a symbol for a cause. 
and it's it's far reaching. So, yeah, I've even seen you know like they have those memes where you know the Rosie the Riveter memes, but now they're they've swapped her out for Wonder Woman in some of and some of them. You yeah, know, I mean it's of all the characters that you can work with, uh, maybe except Captain America, uh, mm-hmm. but all the others. I mean, Batman doesn't. You, you draw Batman, you, you don't. You don't represent the orphans, you know, of the world, you know. (laughs) Uh, But when you do Wonder Woman, there's there's something important because she does represent a symbol. She's just more than a character. She's she's more important symbolically in in today's uh, culture. So yeah, Yeah. there's there in that aspect, there's a pressure, and there's also you also expose yourself as a creator if you if you would tackle that character and try something mm-hmm. drastic and different a bit like what grant has been doing in this i mean if you do like a weird weird <laughs> story with batman you don't get like phone calls for from orphan thinking you're you're you've <laughs> you've done something terrible you're a terrible person what right. the orphan <laughs> um no, it, that's you know it's just a, a bad or, or or too strange to understand batman story but one woman you'll get that i mean um, yeah. If you if you if you try something too extreme, people will will read into it a judgment on womanhood. Mm-hmm. So, but this is a two. This is that could be also a tool. I mean, it's it is exposing yourself to the critique and and that domain. But also, okay, if that character speak or represent womanhood in a way, maybe we can use that um, and say something about womanhood. In a way, right, you know, right. taking yeah. advantage of it instead of saying this, oh, this, this is too dangerous. And I have the feeling that maybe because Wonder Woman became very static after after mm-hmm. Malston, she became more, more traditional superhero, and then and then the sexuality disappeared entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe creators of the day understood that oh, she's she's this very iconic and and symbolically important character and i don't want to mess that up you know and try to (laughs) be more not conservative from a political uh spectrum but more more careful and that less daring maybe Mm -hmm. with uh, with her hold back a little bit yeah the way the way people were super daring with with batman you know you could you could try all sorts of crazy thing with Mm -hmm. batman which allowed him to evolve drastically you know from from and represent very well most period uh, with Dark Knight Return representing something of the of the eighties. <clears throat> Sorry, and yeah. because you can try and be daring with that character. One woman, it's it's she's less well. She's welcoming into it, but the readership, it's, it's more. It's it's a bigger risk to take. Yeah, well, people have their own ideas and their own, you know, preconceived notions, and they hold them very dear. You know, comic book fans are hardcore. <laughs> so, and, you know, yeah. and I, I appreciate that. And and honestly, I do have my own, you know, my preconceptions on things. But mm-hmm. I, as a creator, I recognize that. I say, oh, this is how I think things should be, but that doesn't make it so. Yeah. Like, uh, like the only way to explore and plus i mean the world will be kind of boring if we're absolutely if, if say oh perez <clears throat> perez is the the one woman guy i mean after perez <laughs> that's it and then what we do now you know for years and years we keep staying and in, in, in the doing the perez story so yeah you have to be open 
Yeah, and that's that's the the joy and the peril of doing those huge franchises that have been there forever. Every time you're putting out a comic something somewhere, because not only they're well known, but sometimes they're they're intricately part of someone's childhood. So yeah, it's, it's on, yeah. And then you and try something like, drastic. Yeah, and then you say, "All right, Tor is a woman," or something, you know, whatever you want right. to explore. <laughs> and then people take it personally because that's or one woman yeah. is saying saying something in a comic, and I got people coming to my table and say, "People, one woman wouldn't say that." But <laughs> do I you mean, really? Yeah. But That's I mean, she 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 did though, you know. Yeah. So yeah. She just did in that comic, so <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> and it is if if there is any plus to do create your own and start something totally fresh in you would be that like this idea where if you want to create something that make absolutely no sense that goes that abides to my rule only mine. Uh, right. <laughs> people can't judge because it's not part of their psyche yet. But these characters, they've been there forever. So they yeah. live into everybody's They're mind. iconic. Yeah. So that, that makes change kind of hard to mm-hmm. convey. But again, like the idea of these characters, some character being assembled, it plays for you because it comes with a set of expectations. So yeah. you, you think this is what it is. And then we, we agree, both of us and that. The story hasn't started yet, but we have already... structure on the table stuff that we agree upon or and and then i'm going to flip this card which you (laughs) agreed upon but no it's not true anymore and then so there is there is some sort of a play with with the readership on that if what you do is is valid and you know you can you could just mess mess stuff up for messing stuff up but if you but if you try like we did to bring something valid on the table yeah why not Yeah. Well, I mean, you're never going to please everybody, you know, as an artist. I mean, if you look at, there's so many different fandoms, you know, huge franchises. I mean, look at Star Wars, for example, you you know, all the new movies that have come out for for that franchise. And for everyone that loves it, there's, you know, 10 people that hate it. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you just, you got to just do what you love and and do it to the best of your ability and and, and you 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 can, you can almost tell with, but see, then again, this is my, my opinion. My personal thing, but you can almost feel it in some of the Marvel, the um, the Disney version of Star Wars that they mm-hmm. want to be careful. They they take I, I have the feeling that they yeah. take a lot less risky, weird stance than George on his own. And some of those risks that he took were bad decisions. I mean, that it was bad. <laughs> Sometimes it was good, but they were a little bit more ballsy. I felt mm-hmm. what what. Disney and the big corporate structure understanding full well that they want, don't want to piss off like part of the of the, of the movie right. doors, <laughs> and so they played it safer than I and I've, I would have loved a little bit more risk, I guess. Yeah, just um, a little darker, you yeah, know. And, and maybe maybe taking that risk and making those films totally unpalatable for me anymore, but or maybe giving me something new to think about mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i feel i feel like they've, they've played it a little bit too safe to my taste yeah. but then again this is just this is me See? yeah again no, exactly. what, yeah. Am I, what am i to say that <laughs> well i mean yeah no like you saw it it's your opinion and well speaking <laughs> speaking of yeah big corporations i know you've worked you've worked for dc you've worked for marvel and have you ever um considered or would you consider 
ever doing something with like an indie comic book writer and working on like original material? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've been toying with a few ideas for years now, but because one woman heard one was always there to be done, you know, this huge mm-hmm. project. So I've always kind of postponed it as I went along. So year after year, as my contract went up, I said, like, yeah, I still have a few pages. I still have this mm-hmm. other volume of one woman to do. So I'm going to resign. So now I'm not exclusive anymore. I'm still, oh, okay. I'm still doing stuff for DC, you know, there's still a few friends left there. I mean, there've been a lot of change <laughs> recently at DC and uh, some departure uh, were kind of very uh, traumatic to me because, you know, these are people you work with for 20 years and then yeah. suddenly uh, it's not, they're not good anymore. It's not that they're, Oh, the it's time. I'm, 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 I'm 70. I want to take it, <laughs> you know, take it cool. And then we'll make a party and then the, the, the retire. The, it's more, it's like corporate stuff where suddenly you read over the internet that, oh, this, this, and this person, they, they don't work there anymore, you know? Oh, wow. So that's, yeah. that's stuff. That's hard to swallow, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, I, there are still very good people at, at DC and I've, I'm still bind to a few projects with them. And then I'm doing another, not as massive as Wonder Woman or one, but something that I can't tell for it's not- the specifics. Okay. It's a, it's, a, it's a long form thing. Again, so I'm doing that, and yeah, on the side, I'm uh, toying with some some concept for to do something totally different, to do something on my own. Awesome. And then, do you have writers in mind for it? Or are you are you going to take a stab at writing yourself, or how how will that play out? Yeah, I'll, well, chances are that the first time I'll go into the wilderness, I'll try to have a guide, like somebody that uh, <laughs> speak perfect English. Okay. <laughs> And make sure, make sure, and and plus, I mean, I've been I've been drawing enough, but constructing a story entirely, I I, I know I know good people that can do that, so it would be uh, foolish of me not to take advantage of all those friends, yeah. the relationship I've I've managed to to come up with. So yeah, probably my if I do a, a creator own, I'll, I'll probably not do it entirely on my own, but I want to be mm-hmm. part. Of, I want to do stuff that. That feel like me a little bit more. Yeah. It's not that I I don't enjoy superhero and people in spandex, you know, fighting. <laughs> but to be honest, it's not me at all. I mean, I'm. It's not part of maybe the me when I was fourteen, and I'm still right. enjoying drawing, you know, anatomy and, and special effects. But I don't recognize myself in any of that. And mm. you know, as you go by, you you work for DC or work for Marvel. You this is this is what you do. But you don't reflect too much on, well, is this is this really me at all? And it, mm-hmm. the, the only redeeming aspect is what we were talking a little bit earlier, which is at least I'm I'm helping, I'm saying something. I believe Give it. A message, yeah. yeah, I believe in. Uh, I mean, it's not propaganda, but at least I'm, I'm doing something that feels like something legit that comes from a, a place, a place of a real place, and not mm-hmm. just yeah, spandex and. and but yeah. I, I, I want more. I want. I want to do something that that feels. I love classical music, so this is something I want to explore in comics uh, a little. So okay. that's stuff that are very just me. <laughs> do you think you would set, write something or draw something contemporary, or would it be in the fantasy genre, sci-fi, horror? I mean, what what sort of genres are you drawn to that you would want to create yourself? Um, yeah, I'm doing. Well, I'll be doing. I'll, be doing something very futuristic sci-fi for the next year um, oh, cool. 
so that's that's something interesting. I've I've always wanted to do something crazy and far fetched and and weird. Yeah. So this <laughs> this is it. But also in on my time doing Swamp Thing, I found that I, I really enjoy horror. I mm-hmm. just just because of the atmosphere graphically it's it's rich and there's something rich about the visual of aura so yeah. i might want to go back there at least a little or if 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 it's not entirely aura something that kind of tastes horrific <laughs> so right sinister yeah yeah now do you have a do you have any dream character that's that's out there in an established universe that you want to you know, work with that you haven't yet already. I know you've worked with, you know, Superman, Batgirl, mm-hmm. or sorry, not Batgirl, but Supergirl, uh, Wonder Woman. Is there any any of those characters out there in the universe of comics that uh, you would like to work with? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm not really character oriented. I'm much more attracted by writers. Um, mm, okay. Because in a way, in a way, I'm not a big fan of Spawn, but during Spawn or Batman, will have me draw building at night with big capes you know, graphically mm-hmm. it's the same challenge and then it's more a question of a good writer can make both of those things gold or or, or crap all right um, <laughs> so it, it really depends but okay. when i was at marvel they asked me what i want what i want to draw and i had only two characters at the time i wanted to draw uh, the alk but i ended up doing a green big guy dc with swamp thing anyway so that's yeah. <laughs> graphically that's covered somehow but i wanted to explore doctor strange but the oh, doctor yeah. strange of dimension with big eyes and and strange <laughs> strange like psychedelic things happening the, the epitome so, of strange yeah <laughs> yeah the the, the, the stranger tr- strange that i can get uh, more that than than the typical uh, superhero like, the, the the crazy yeah acid like trips cartoony yeah yeah <laughs> well then I'll rephrase is there a writer then that you would like to work with that you haven't gotten a chance to yet yeah oh, well there is I've been I've been really lucky uh, mm-hmm, I got yes. to work with with Alan Moore I got to mm-hmm. work with with Grant and Scott Snyder James Snyder, and Aaron yeah. you know mm-hmm. I've been, the, the list is is quite satisfying there is I would I wouldn't mind doing something with with Neil Gaiman for instance mm-hmm. no no yeah you've had a, you've worked with a lot of incredible people and and a lot of incredible people have worked with you <laughs> you know so i'm sure you're on a lot of yeah, people's I, yeah, lists, yeah, you know I'm, I'm very lucky i'm very lucky yeah I've, I've done i've done things with adam warren i've done two issue of of gen 13 and and uh, i wouldn't mind doing some more with with adam I, he's i mean he's, he's not doing that much outside of his own creation nowadays but I've had so much fun. Just the, the script alone. I mean, it's rare that you read a script and you laugh all the time, you know, just because the <laughs> script is so good. It's yeah. so funny. So that might be an option. Okay, cool. Now, as far as your your actual abilities now, do you, did you have to take classes? Was this just something you naturally were gifted with? I mean, wh- how do you hone your craft? How do you keep that fresh and, you know, keeping it polished yeah well in my in my early days as i was coming out from from a uh, science education i Mm -hmm. I approached drawing in a very scientific sort of way where i tried to codify reality so i can understand and memorize it which is sounds like i'm i'm 
mentally heal saying that but I, <laughs> no. I, have, I have books i have books of just four arms twisting so page after page and, and and all these muscles connected to the elbow and then to whatever finger they go when you turn your hand the, the one boat the, the elbow doesn't move so every muscle <laughs> twists around the arm to reconnect so, and I've, I've approached it from a very, let's find the code of reality <laughs> from, from learning anatomy in that fashion. And then the logic of, of, of light. And so yeah, a lot of my, th- these are the early years where I, I tried to, to almost like in the matrix, understanding the logical being the visual thing you see, but as as I became more confident with my work, a lot of it became more instinctual. And mm-hmm. nowadays, I don't, I don't really know what I'm when I'm drawing a harm. I'm not thinking about all these muscles. And back in the days, I knew the names of all these crazy named muscles. I can't yeah. remember any <laughs> of them. But but when I draw something nowadays, I mean, they're maybe they're kind of in a subconscious level. So mm-hmm. the the vague shape of of a leg is solid and makes sense. But the, the the intricacy of the muscle that didn't matter had been forgotten with the years. The, so yeah. just more a purification of those things that ended up not really mattered. Well, they're, they're gone now. And the essential is, is more there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're super talented. And, uh, you know, it's clearly a gift uh, as well, right? I mean, you definitely have something special. So I appreciate you coming on and chatting with me about your work because it's fantastic. So thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you would like to promote before we go? I mean, we have, I mean, the most important thing, of course, Wonder Woman, Volume 3, coming out in March. Everybody needs to pre-order that right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's available for pre-order right now, indeed. No, I mean, go go for that first. I mean, the, all the rest, I just can't can't tell. <laughs> it's all, it's all uh, unannounced. So it's, Yeah. Well, then you'll have can, to come back on then. And, I, and I got to, to, I got to. The thing yeah. is, as I'm producing... It's not that I'm super slow. I mean, I'm much, I'm much faster than I used to be. But because of the nature of the sorts of project I end up doing, which is these 120 pages that I pencil and ink and takes a year and a half, I, I most of the time I can't tell anything, you know, because eventually it's going to be announced. But marketing people understand that you can't uh, announce stuff a year ahead of time, <laughs> and then people would just forget. Just forget so, about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, I, I know that's it's like that with with most I think entertainment industries. It's it's all about the teaser, right? You know, kind of coming out, you know, a little bit before to get people excited about it. But you know, you can't give spoilers away either. I know. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I made a choice earlier in my career where I, I figured I can do monthly book not super well mm-hmm. because it's it's in it got corner in order to survive. And that was back in the day. And now I'm looking at the comics. The monthly stuff is is amazing today. Still, I mean, mm-hmm. how can it's even possible to produce that level every month? Uh, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it's um, a lot. <laughs> but at least it gives it gives you uh, you're there all the time, so people can. Oh yeah, what he's doing? Oh, he's on this. Uh, he, he, that, he, you know, he, he did produce that last week or last month at at least. But in my case, I made the choice that no, I want to work more on a European type 
of, of scheduling where mm-hmm. I'll have these huge project and then try to have a nor- kind of normal life. It's not quite yeah. normal, to be honest, <laughs> but that was the intention at first, at least. And then I'll produce those things that take, they'll take forever and then they'll come out. But that's like once a year, once every two years or something out of me. But in between yeah. those projects, I tried to do smaller things. Last time I did some some stuff with Bendis and Superman and, and one issue of Batman. This time around, I'll, I'll do a little bit of that for DC also before I embark into this other adventure (laughs) well i'm sure i mean it's you know like they say it's a a marathon not a race right yeah and and i mean for someone you know like you they're gonna wait for whatever you're gonna do (laughs) you know no one's gonna be trying to rush you there it's definitely gonna be worth the wait i'm sure right (laughs) and excellent Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, for sure you have to come back on then and and talk about all these other, you know, secret projects that that you can't I share will. yet. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been thank great. Everyone, you've been listening to Spoiler Country with Yannick Paquette and myself, Melissa Sercha. Thanks so much for joining me. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, that, that was, was great. A, that was like great, a, great. That was like great, a slow great. fade. Uh, you're, you're, you have an echo, Kenrick? I don't know if you know this. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Are you in a today, cave? Today, today, today. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Did you ever watch the show Space Above and Beyond? Um, I want to say no. It was a late 90s uh, space show on, I want to say Fox, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, Yannick actually drew the, the miniseries that was adapted from that show. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Very but cool. It was, it was a fun show. It was a fun show. I liked it. My dad, my dad and I used to watch it together. It was, uh, I think it was, I think it lasted a year or two. It lasted one season, but I, <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> That's, isn't it always lame when something you love just lasts one season? You're just like, oh, come on. Yeah, like, come on, man. I want more yeah. of this. I, I, it's the only thing I hate. Well, it's not the only thing I hate, but I mean about Hollywood, but one of the things I hate about Hollywood is when it comes to TV shows, they don't give shows a chance. Right. You know, and sometimes they're amazing. Like, look at, I mean, a prime example, the most popular example is Firefly. Right. You you know, that that was fantastic. Yeah. And they cut it after 13 episodes and canceled it. And it was like, what? And they ran it out of order. Yeah, well, that show was that show was canceled because one of the executives didn't understand it and didn't like it. So they tried; they did their best to, to push it out. But that's the worst. Even though it was doing well, you know, they like liked the, it. To me, it's like Swamp Thing. I think that Swamp Thing was excellent. And, yeah. and Dennis hates it, but well, I mean, Dennis is Dennis. We love you, Dennis. Yeah. But I thought it was excellent, and I was so bummed when they just canceled it before it even hit the air. And now it has a whole new life on CW, and there's questions of, can they do a second season? I hope so. I hope so, too. I know he hated that the fact that they moved it from California to Louisiana. Right? The original comic is, is set in California, a California swamp. I thought it was set in Louisiana. Oh, man. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I could have sworn we had a whole conversation about it, and he was really mad that they moved it. And I thought he said it was in California, but if only we had a way. I mean, this is so far off topic. 
Yeah, Swamp Thing takes place in Louisiana. There's no comics. Oh, well, there you go. I was just gonna. I was just typing. God dang it! Whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I must have Mandela affected it. <laughs> you did. You Mandela affected yourself. <laughs> uh, so, what'd you think of the Yannick Paquette interview? I think it was great, man. I love. I love it. He was uh, very energetic and had lots of fun stuff to say, man. He was uh, cool. He was excited that Melissa, you know, called him the legendary artist. I mean, of course, if, if I was an artist and somebody called me legendary, I'd be excited too. But yeah, he actually is one of those, and I am not. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's it's uh, it's always fun to get somebody that really loves what they're doing. Yeah, and it comes oh, across, yeah. and that passion comes across in how they talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, it's really cool. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Yannick and Melissa, and if you did. Uh, I would highly suggest going to spoilerverse.com and check out our back issues. There's so many great, amazing episodes there uh, with people just like Yannick and within the comic book industry, but there's people out there within the movie industry and the TV shows and books. We kind of run the gambit. And I think if you go there and kind of do a little perusing around, you'll be shocked with the people that you'll see. Uh, we also have other podcasts that are hosted there, like Virgin Geekdom that is if you're a Snyder verse person <laughs> that is really into finding out more about the Snyderverse, check out Virgin the Geekdom. There's the funny book forensics, there's the narrative gunslingers, there's Shooting the Sith, there's Misery Point Radio, and just the list just goes on. And really I would highly suggest checking them out because it's a lot of fun and right now there's no paywall. That means that's all free for you. It's all free. So much fun for free. And along those podcasts that Kenny just mentioned, we've got articles and reviews and previews and and a bunch of fun stuff up there that you can go peruse and, and, and go. I, I mean, we have over, I think it's like 2,200 posts on the website total for the last four years. So there's a lot of stuff to go up there and read. That, that includes podcast posts. And there's like 1,200 podcast episodes up there total, which is insane. Think about um, that there's over 1,200 different podcast episodes you can listen to. You know, 550 some from this show and then all the ones from all the other shows make up the rest of that. And uh, it's all up there for you, for free right now. And uh, while you're there, though, go to that store link and buy a T-shirt or a hoodie or something because, you know, you want to look cool and you also want to help support the site because the more help we get supporting the site because, you know, it's free for you, uh, the, the longer we can do this and the better we can make everything, the more, the better we can get sound, the better we can, you know, have the website look and function. So, that you know, that, that's all great. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. I think it's only, oh, Discord. Yeah, we have a Discord. Uh, slash discord Come join us. Come chat with us. We'd love to have you there. There you guys go. All right. Don't forget in an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more.